I've fired, I've hired, I've been fired, I've resigned, and I've been refined for the church. You see, the church matters to God, amen? It matters to me, and it should matter to all of us. I've also listened to people yell, complain, accuse, attack, and gossip about the church. I've watched friends become enemies, church members become bitter, former students abandon their faith, and fellow pastors leave the ministry in the church. Some of my most painful moments of my church experiences have been those occasions where church dissension or division is great and where church splits take place. Divisions that lead to church splits are a sad and all too common occurrence in the body of Christ. And the effects of a church split, regardless of the cause, can be devastating. Church splits distress and dismay, but church believers, they disillusion new believers. They cause havoc in the lives of pastors and their families, and they bring reproach on the name of Christ. In those 25 years, I've had to wrestle with guilt and hurt and betrayal and lies and hatred and anger and bitterness and brokenness because of church. And someone once said, there is no hurt like a church hurt. So now what? So my topic tonight is multiplication through division. Not a very fun topic. When Pastor Todd told me that that was my topic, I was like, oh no, how did I get this one? But it's a very relevant topic. How many of you experienced some type of hurt in church? Raise your hand. If you haven't, you haven't been in church. <laughs> you know, it can happen to anyone, and it happens to everyone. All churches have problems. You know why? Because all churches have people, <laughs> right? All churches have problems because all churches have people. The only church that will never experience those things is the one that no one goes to. If Jesus had a church on the earth, he'd have problems, amen? He would, because he'd have people in it, and people cause problems. Those things exist because people exist. And let me just say this, disunity is always a part of God's people. You see, whenever God is at work, there'll be some movement of the enemy or of our flesh to undermine that movement, right? I mean, we are at a war, the Bible says, with principalities and powers. Ephesians 6, verses 12 and 13 says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. Did you hear all those different things that are at war against God and against the church? For this reason, take up the full armor of who? Of God, so that you may be able to resist in the evil day. And having prepared everything, take your stand. I entered the ministry never imagining that those kind of hurts and things would happen to me. I entered the ministry as a youth pastor, just going, I just want to have fun with kids, help them find Jesus, and, and we'll just do that together for the rest of my life. I planned on being a youth pastor all the days of my life. I just didn't realize my wife was not going to want to be the youth pastor's wife all the days of her life. But that's okay. God had a different plan. But I never realized that there was more to church because I didn't grow up in church. I grew up 
religious, but I didn't grow up with this church and youth group and model of, of family together. I didn't have that. So I just kind of expected that when I got out there, man, everybody was gonna be happy and everybody loves Jesus, and so it's gonna be this beautiful picture, right, of the Acts chapter two church. What I didn't or failed to realize is that Satan is a great divider, isn't he? Not only does he want to divide you from God, he wants to divide you from your spouse and your kids from you and your church from you. Satan wants to divide. You see, God wants us to be one. Listen to his prayer in John 17, verses 20 through 22. It says, I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. May they all be one, as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that, you, that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you've given me, so that they may be one, as we are one. You see, that was Jesus' prayer, and anything that Jesus wanted to accomplish on the earth, Satan was directly opposed to. And so he's doing everything and has done everything to cause as much division and dissension in the church as he possibly can. He wants to wreck lives. He wants to wreck marriages and homes, kids, churches. John 13, 34 says, I give you a new command. Love one another as I have loved you. You are to also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples, right? By your love for one another. You see, when the world is divided, the church is to show that they are united, amen? And that, unite, that uniting of the church is to show the world that we're different. So tonight, as I talk about multiplication through division, I'm going to talk about some personal stories and some things that have happened to me along the way that I didn't quite expect. Maybe some of you tonight are saying, what's, what's, this, what's the cause of church splits? What's the cause of division? We can't, why can't we just all get along? Well, the simple answer is it's people, right? It's sin. It's Satan. Trying to wreak havoc in the church. The church that Jesus Christ says this in Ephesians 5, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the what? The church. He gave himself to make her holy Cleansing with the washing of the water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor. Without spot or wrinkle or anything like that. But holy and blameless. A church split happens when someone seeks to manipulate people. It happens when people become prideful. When people have their own interpretations of doctrine. When people don't like that the pastor is the leader or don't like his leadership style. There's a, there's a whole list that we could go uh, down for the excuses of conflicts. But I believe this, they all stem from one real issue and that's called pride, right? When people want their way more than God's way. When people don't like something in church, it's, it's usually because of something sin or sinful, selfishness, pride, and it hurts the whole body. Listen to James 4. What it says this, I'm gonna just kind of paraphrase a few of these scriptures in James 4. It says, what is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder 
and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. God resists the proud, doesn't he? But he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Then he says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Don't criticize one another, brothers and sisters. Anyone who defames or judges a fellow believer defames and judges the law. He just goes on to paint this picture of what causes division and dissension in church, and it's pride, isn't it? And last night we talked about the church. Tamur and Carlos did an amazing job as they laid out the church in Acts. Started off so strong, didn't it? I mean, they're answering the prayer of John 17 in Acts chapter 2, aren't they? It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, the breaking of bread into prayer, and everyone was filled with awe. Isn't that beautiful? And many wonders and signs were being performed. Now all the believers were together and had all things, held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property, distributed to the, to, uh, the needs as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And every day the Lord added to the number of those who were being saved. What a beautiful start, amen? I mean, that's exciting. How many chapters do you think before that gets wrecked? It's only a couple. Because in Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira, which was referenced last night, right? Already begin to mess up the church because they come in with the seat, right? They try to look more generous than what they really were. And thus starts the problems in church from then on. From then on. The lies and deceit that already begin to attack the church. And by the way, that wasn't the only church. Many churches back in those days were not doing right. Remember the six churches mentioned in Revelation 2 and 3? Right? They were problematic churches. How about another church? The church at Corinth. Did it have any problems? Yeah, enough to write some letters about it. A couple letters, right? Outlining all the problems that they had. It, it was a problem church back then. For one thing, there was a division among them in the church in Corinth. Remember, some of them were saying, well, I follow Paul. Well, I follow Apollos. He's my leader. I like him. He's the better pastor. You know, he was probably a Vikings fan. That's probably why they liked him. And so Paul had to correct them, and he says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you can, came to believe as the Lord assigned to each. Paul was trying to correct the Corinthian Christians of this distorted view of ministry and the division that was already beginning to be seen as people chose sides, as people liked people and didn't like certain people. So here's what we know. We know that the church is going to have division. Whenever God was at work among his people, there was always conflict and dissent. Did you know that? Someone would criticize or complain or even oppose what, was God, what God was doing. All the way in the Old Testament. Moses, right? Did they complain? Yeah, they did. Joshua? How about David? I mean, I think it's a pretty common theme throughout Scripture. So the question is, how does God take this division we're experiencing or even sometimes have helped cause and overcome them to still multiply his church. 
How can we find healing when we've been hurt in and by the church? Well, here's what I believe. I believe this, that we can find joy. For God uses these times of desperation and exhaustion to humble us, to make us more dependent on him, to remind us that the gospel ministry is about him. Amen? It's not us or our ministry. We're reminded that God-glorifying ministry is impossible apart from relying on his means and in his power. But here's what I want you to know. There is hope. Amen? There's hope. Churches that split, churches that experience division and hurt can experience healing and restoration. And you know, it's found in a term called redeem. Through a person, a redeemer. Amen? Luke 168 says, Blessed is the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and provided redemption for his people. In Ephesians 1.7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Colossians 1.14, in him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In Mark 10.45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That word redeem means to purchase back, to purchase back of something that had been lost by the payment of a ransom. It's a debt against us. The debt against us is not viewed as simply canceled, but it's fully paid, amen? By Christ's blood, his life, which he surrendered, is how he's able to deliver us and give us a new life. Remember this, as we read those scriptures, God has also redeemed the church, amen? Because the church is people including a church split or a division for his glory and good, his church for the purpose of restoring relationships, removing wickedness, renewing people, and revealing his glorious love. That's what can happen despite church division. And you know what else we have to remember? That God is sovereign over his church, amen? You know, Apple is a great product, but it someday probably won't exist. There's a lot of other great companies that have come and gone, but the church is here to stay, amen? It hasn't been moved. It's been wounded, it's been hurt, it's been attacked, but it keeps going strong because he is over the church and the head of the church. And I love the story of Joseph as a lesson for us. When reckoning day finally came for Joseph and his brothers after years of concealing their sin against their brother. Joseph confronted them with this powerful insight into God's dealing with them. And I really want to read it because I think this, evil never has the last word in God's universe or in his church. Amen? Evil doesn't have the last word. Genesis 15, it says, so they sent a message to Joseph before he died. Your grandfather gave a command. Say this to Joseph. Please forgive your brothers' transgressions and their sin the suffering they caused you. Therefore, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they, their message came to him. His brothers also came to him, bowed down before him, and said, we are your slaves. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You planned evil against me, but God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. Therefore, don't be afraid. I will take care of you and your children. And he comforted them and spoke. You see, they were divided, those brothers, weren't they? And it looked like this terrible situation 
for Joseph. But God said that, you know what, what you intended for evil and what happens when people are creating division and dissension in church intends for evil, God can still use for good, amen? He's greater. So how do we create a place that reflects the glory and beauty of the bride of Christ, a church like we read? Well, I believe this. Church splits are healed through repentance, humility, and love. If there's a disagreement, the best would be for both sides to repent of anything said or done in an unloving manner during the disagreement. And repentance includes seeking forgiveness from the party offended by another's behavior. In humility, we each should accept the other's apology, committing to go forward in the bonds of Christian love. Amen? You see, churches are like hospitals. They're full of wounded and sick people. But in the church, the sickness is sin, and the wounds are those we afflict upon ourselves and one another because of sin. And I think one of the greatest of those sins is that lack of forgiveness. And over the years, I've seen a lot of it. I've seen people leave church and say they're never going back, and they never want to talk to this person ever again. They never want to see that person. Once again, a church hurt. It's a bad hurt. I understand that but nothing is beyond the cross. Nothing is beyond the healing of the cross. When we're willing to repent, we're willing to humble ourselves and ask for forgiveness. You understand that there is no perfect church. There's no perfect pastor because there's no perfect people. Hurt feelings and misunderstandings are inevitable. And if our expectations are too high, disappointment is inevitable. And they cause hurt feelings and and resentment, bitterness, anger. But our response to one another should be to forgive one another in kindness and compassion. Listen to these scriptures. Romans 12.10 says this. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Outdo one another in showing honor. 1 Peter 3.8 says, Finally, all of you be like-minded and sympathetic, love one another and be compassionate and humble. First Peter 4, 8, above all, maintain constant love for one another since love covers a multitude of what? Sins. Hebrews 12, 14 says, pursue peace with everyone and holiness without it, no one will see the Lord. Ephesians 4, a great verse I use for marriage coaching Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you along with all malice and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as who? Christ Jesus. God forgave you in Christ. You see, I think we gotta realize that we need to fight for the church, not for ourselves. Amen? I mean, that's what we ultimately gotta fight for. And be aware that we can be overtaken so easily by our own sinfulness. Others are watching. The lost world is watching. But ultimately, God can redeem a bad situation for his glory and good. I'm going to read a final set of scriptures, and then I'm just going to kind of share with you a little bit of my story. So Paul and Barnabas, we got to them in Acts chapter 13, right? take their first missionary journey together. We see them traveling together, stopping at Whataburgers and, you know, what other great restaurants, you know, In-N-Out, Burger, and all those great places that they had never experienced before as they traveled. But by Acts chapter 15, verses 36 through 39, just two chapters later, listen to what happens. 
After some time had passed, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the brothers and sisters in every town we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. And Barnabas wanted to take along John Mark. But Paul insisted they should not take along this man who had deserted them in Pamphylia and that had not gone on with them to the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company and Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed off to Cyprus. Wow. Let me just say this first. Do you know that Christians can disagree with each other and both be right? Did you know that? Did you know that in marriage you can do that? You can disagree and both be right? In fact, if one is right and one is wrong in a marriage, if you have a winner and a loser, you're both what? Losers. Because God wants oneness again. It's okay, right? Now, there's an exception to that. That's when the Dallas Cowboys are playing the Minnesota Vikings. Only one team, my team, is going to be better than my wife. No. Disagreements are not necessarily a sin. And neither are the evidence of some of sin on the part of those who differ. Secondly is this, disagreements can serve very beneficial purposes. Did you know that? The cause of the two disagreements both served to advance the gospel. You know, in the first journey, they went to 15 different places, I counted. And here's what they were deciding to do is to go back to those 15 places. But as a result, what they did is they split, right? And Paul went with Silas, right? And Barnabas went with John Mark. And they went to different places. In fact, they went to 19 places after that, 13 of them brand new. Why? Because there was division. There was disagreement. But God, what some people would view as that being an evil thing, God created good, didn't he? I mean, look at all the more cities that were reached as a result of that. It gave new opportunity for Silas to go and be a part of the team. It gave a renewed opportunity for John Mark to renew himself and say, you know what, I am in this. You know what, I messed up the first time, but God is the God who redeems, amen? And I'm not, I'm not done. Were Paul given up on him? Barnabas said, the son of encouragement, right? You expect him to go, no, you can do this, John Mark. I'm taking you with me. I love that. Because God doesn't just give up on us like that, does he? You know, and I've been in a couple different churches where I've seen, uh, there was a church split after I left one, and I left in good standing, and, but I watched the hurt and the pain of people leaving church. And several years ago, when I resigned from my church, which some of you know which church I went to, and I resigned, uh, um, and they stood me up and blessed me and blessed, said blessing for their ministry, but there was hurt. There was division. And at that time, I questioned, is God done with me? Did I do this? Is there something that I have done, and what do I need to do, God? And I just ultimately had to surrender it all to him, the whole situation, and say, you know what? I can't control what anyone else says or does. I can only control my faithfulness to God. And you know what, I, I didn't quit going to church. I didn't, I didn't write hateful letters to people. I just kept going with the Lord. And in May of that year, your church was on my visit list. And I visited, 
And a pastor named Todd Stiles came up to me and said, hey, what are you doing here? He said, I, I'd love to take you out for lunch to hear your story. And that's a, the good pastorly answer that we all give when we, want, you know, when we meet new people. But he like, really meant it, like the next day. I think we went out the next day, and he's like, how about tomorrow? I'm like, sure, I guess. Yeah, that's great. And that was a time of great discouragement in my life. And Todd came in, and he believed in me and believed God had a mission still for me and that God, out of division, could still create good things because that's what God does. God is a redeemer of people and his church, amen? And I love that. And a year later, we planted Life Change Church in East Des Moines at the Iowa State Fairgrounds. And three weeks ago, we celebrated our one-year anniversary. Amen? We had 89 people coming in, averaged 89. We had 14 baptized last year, several salvations. We're involved in four elementary schools and a Hope Center for Women every week. We've brought an after-school care program, sports program to them. All glory to God, Amen? But it was because, guess what? God is able to take the broken and make it new. He's able to take division and multiply. Because now there's another church. There's another church. There was hurt. There was division. There was guilt, remorse, all those things. But God restored me and restored his work. And guess what? There's a church now. And although Paul and Barnabas had a sharp disagreement, I mean, I love that they used that, that word to create, not just said a disagreement, but a sharp one, okay? That's the kind that I have with Packer fans. That's about how I can relate it. That's as best I can do, Chris. That's, so if you're that Packers fan after this, we can have a sharp disagreement. But you know what else we can do? We can move on, and you do your ministry and me do mine to the glory of God, Amen. I'm just so thankful. You know, I had to battle pride in my name and my reputation, but then I also ultimately had to lay those at the altar of God and say, you know what, the church is yours. I am yours. And I'm gonna keep my eyes on you, not on man. Because not only will they disappoint me, but I'm gonna disappoint them. Because I'm not perfect. And I don't wanna be put on a pedestal. I want the name of Jesus and his church. So let me just encourage you, church. I believe this, if there's a common theme in Acts, it's unity, amen? Unity in the midst of diversity. And whenever there's diversity, there's a potential for disagreement, isn't there? Because we don't see things the same. But that's the beauty of the gospel. It's the great reconciler. It's the gospel reconciliation, not racial reconciliation that brings people together, amen? And we've got to fight for the church and fight for the glory of God. And you know what? If, if, if we've been a part of division and strife and, and hurt and anger, you know what, tonight? You need to confess. You need to go to people. You need to do whatever you can to protect the church for the purity and the holiness of the church, for the movement of the church, amen? Because that's what it's about, the church, you see, the church of Jesus Christ is one church, is it not? We're one body. 
composed of many members, each of who have a unique gift and function and contribution to the body. But we've got to fight for unity. And that means we can disagree and still love one another. Amen? And be more committed to the mission of God than our own mission for God. So I want to encourage you. Life Chain Church was birthed out of division for multiplication. God can take a bad situation and make it good for his glory. Amen?